Well, good morning. It is, it's wonderful to see you. I, I don't know if anybody needs this. I don't know if this is a word from the Lord, but this week I looked out front along the, the front edge of our building and there's about a foot where there's no snow because the sun bounces off those ugly blue bricks and, and warms up the ground. There are flowers starting to peek through the soil. I'm just saying... It's a promise of new life, and I am so thankful that Jesus promises us new life in him. And so I'm glad for the changing of the seasons. We're in a series that we are calling The Waiting Game, and I want to talk to you today about what it's like to wait for the answer, and I want to use the life of Daniel from the Old Testament. And let me give you just a little bit of historical background. Uh, In 605 BC, Nebuchadnezzar begins to put into exile some of the Hebrew people. Um, Babylon has has conquered much of the known world, um, and specifically of the Hebrew people, he is taking from their midst those that have royal blood, um, he, is, he is taking those who are the smartest, those who are the brightest, the best, and the most handsome, the scripture says. So there, there, there are some people that are going to have to say goodbye to their loved ones because they're good looking. If we were there, some of us would have to say goodbye to our loved ones because of our good looks, you know? Some, look, I'm looking around this room, and I see some guys who have some, some hair like me. You know, the, Bible, the, the Lord said, you know, I, he only created a few perfect heads, and he put hair on the rest of them. That's us. That's us. Okay? So maybe, Brian, maybe we would, you know, have to be exiled because of, you know. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> but they were indeed exiled, um, and the purpose was they wanted to take... Um, the royalty, they wanted to take the, the youth, the vitality, the intelligence, the good looks from the nations that they conquered and bring them and educate them in the language of the Babylonians and the literature and the culture. And they would, in essence, be upping the intelligence. They would be upping the beauty factor. They would be upping the quality of people. And they put them in service of the king. So they worked in the government. And this was a common thing for them, uh, for them to do. And one of those uh, young people was a man named Daniel. And God gave Daniel wisdom and understanding. His, his specific gift was interpreting dreams, which would come into play later. But the Bible says that Daniel was ten times more wise than all of Nebuchadnezzar's other magicians who... That, would, that word would be synonymous for advisors um, or, or those that were he, he sought advice and counsel from. And so Daniel was head and shoulders obviously above the rest. And through his life, we can learn three things about waiting on God for the answer. And the first one is this. And this may seem uh, almost um, like I'm... I'm contradicting myself, but the first one is this, is that God answers prayers immediately. God answers, we're doing a series on waiting, and my point is that God answers prayers immediately. 
Uh, Daniel was not unfamiliar with God's ability to, uh, to see God answer him. Let's look back uh, in, in a little bit um, earlier in, in the, the chronological story here. And Daniel had three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three young guys were some of the royalty, some of the best, some of the brightest, some of the best looking, and they were brought also into Nebuchadnezzar's government. And what happened when Nebuchadnezzar built a statue to be worshipped, they would not bow down. And so they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And what happened? We read in this story in Daniel that the king looked in and he did not see three people in the fire. He saw four and the fourth was as the son of God. And then he called them and they actually came out of the fire. They were unsinged. They didn't even smell like smoke. And for those of us that love a good campfire, we know that you cannot get away from the smell of smoke. Okay? So, so Daniel knew what it was for God to answer prayer. He's most well known, of course, for a story that we tell our children. Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel was a man of prayer. He prayed three times a day. Everybody knew this. He didn't make this a secret. But because Daniel was 10 times greater than the other people that, that were in the, the king's government, they were jealous of him and they sought to try to discredit him and destroy him. And so they thought to themselves, what can we do to trip this guy Daniel up? But they couldn't find anything about him except the fact that he prayed three times a day. So they decided that what they would do is convince the king that he should make an edict that for a period of time, like 30 days, that no one can pray to any god except to King Nebuchadnezzar. Now that says a whole lot there, okay? But King Nebuchadnezzar obviously was flattered that his government would come up with such an idea. And he said, you know, that's not a bad idea. So he, he makes this edict that no one can pray to any other God except to him. Well, of course, they knew that Daniel prayed and they went and they caught Daniel and they brought Daniel before the king. And of course, the king did not want to punish Daniel. He knew that Daniel was blessed and favored by God and he loved Daniel, but he had to do what the edict said. He couldn't undo it. And so the, his conviction was that he was sentenced to death by putting him into the lion's den because that was sure death. Painful Possibly slow, uh, but it would be a violent death. So he's thrown into the lion's den, and of course we know the story that he lived um, through that experience and said that God shut the mouths of the lions. Daniel knew that God answered prayer, and he knew that God answered prayer immediately. But that brings us now to Daniel chapter 9, and we're going to read in verse 3, it says, So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him. So Daniel is in prayer. He's pleading with God in prayer and petition and fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. Basically, Daniel put on what would look like a bur what burlap clothing and, and literally would put ash. They would put ash on their heads so that they looked as if they were mourning uh, because that's how people in the East would exemplify that they are mourning. So he is seeking an answer from God about his people Israel. 
Jeremiah had prophesied that the, the exile would last for 70 years. And so Daniel was seeking God for an answer on this prophecy from Daniel. Indeed, would it be 70 years that they are ultimately exiled? And the answer did not seem to come. Now, I want us to be clear. God answers prayer now. Whatever you are praying for in your life, God can, does, and will answer that prayer. And he will do it. I want you to know that God is able to supply all your needs. If there's something that you need that you are asking God for, God has the ability to supply all our needs. He's able to deliver. He is able to save. He is able to heal. He is able to raise the dead. In about a month, there's coming a day on our calendar when we have to make sure that we have our tax returns in. And some of us get a little worried this time of year because we, we pay in taxes rather than, you know, find out that we get a refund. Peter got nervous about that and Jesus sent him to the shore and he said, throw in a line, pull out a fish and that first fish that you pull out, I want you to reach into his mouth and there will be enough money for my taxes and for yours. If Jesus can pay his taxes from the mouth of a fish, God can answer my prayer and yours. He opens doors that no man can close. He spoke a word and the sun and the moon and the stars were hung in space. Our God can answer prayers and does so immediately. Nothing is too difficult for him. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 that he is able to do immeasurably more than we all more than all we ask or imagine. God is able. Does anybody believe that God is able to answer our prayers and can and does so immediately? Amen. So here's the question. Why does it appear that some answers do not come right away? And what would be the reasons for those delays? Do you, do you, God sometimes delays or, or seems to delay our answers. James says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Because the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and perseverance leads to maturity, which leads to completeness so that we don't lack anything. Well, if we're asking God for something, if we're praying for something, it's because we lack that thing, right? So the testing of our faith, the trials that we go through, are part of the answer to what we're asking God for. Because the trials are a testing of our faith, which leads to perseverance, which is what? It's waiting until the answer gets there, which leads to maturity and then to completeness so that we don't lack anything. So there are times when we come to God and we ask God for something and it seems like we're not getting the answer and the reason is because 
God is taking us through a time of trial or testing because he wants us to grow and come to completeness so that we don't lack anything. And that's hard for us to imagine because we want it when? Now. We want it now. So waiting actually can produce growth in us. Another thing is that God's timing is different than ours. I I want you to think of time, okay? Think of time not as a a line that goes from, from left to right continually. I want you to think of time as this, this capsule that we live in, okay? We live, I'm gonna pick on you, Brian. You don't, you don't have to live by time the way you used to. You know, you, you, when you were working, you had to live by the appointment calendar because you had patients that would come in, right? That was, it was time. God does not exist within the confines of time. He exists outside it, okay? No, no end, no beginning. He, he, he was, he is, he is to come. And yet he reaches and comes into time and is able to answer our prayers according to time, okay, when he so desires, and yet he is not bound by it. It's as if he steps into time and out of time, but in reality, he's both all the time. He's not bound by time. His timing is different than ours. We say, God, I need this, and I need it right now. That's the time. I, I, Lord, I, you know, by, by April 15th, you know, at midnight, I need to pay my taxes. I need this. And here's the time that I need it. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, Peter says, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord... A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Wouldn't you love a day that was so long that you could get everything done in it that you needed to get done? I mean, just think of that, that, that God, God, with God, he can draw out a day so that it seems like a thousand years, or he can compress a thousand years to the point where it feels like a day. God's sense of timing is different than our sense of timing. We are bound by time and space, and God has no such limitations on him. We don't comprehend God, we don't comprehend his plans. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my wa- your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You know, we may not see it, we may not like it, we may not agree with it, we may not understand it, but God is moving right now in our time, in our lives, and he answers immediately, even when it may seem like he's not. And it's because he is unbound by the limitations of time. Romans chapter 4, verse 21, the Apostle Paul says, being fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he had promised. I want you to know that God answers prayer 
immediately. Number two, Satan seeks to delay answers. Now, we don't like this. Daniel sought God for wisdom regarding Israel, regarding their exile, and the answer didn't come on day one. This is the guy that went in the lion's den. He had confidence. God shut the mouth of the lions. This request that I'm asking of God is nothing. God gave him interpretations of dreams. God, God was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his friends in the fire. This is no big deal. And the answer did not come on day one. It didn't come on day two. It didn't come on day seven. Most of us, we would be moving on. Well, God doesn't want to answer that one, so I'm going to move on to the next thing. But Daniel continued to seek the Lord a second week. I'm telling you, a lot of us, we can't concentrate for 10 minutes on the same thing, let alone two weeks. And it was 21 days. Daniel chapter 10, starting at verse 12. Then he continued. Now this speaking here is the angel of the Lord that was sent to bring the answer to Daniel. Look at what he says. Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. So as soon as Daniel prayed, just like when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fiery furnace, just like when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, God acted our moment, day one. But something else has happened here. He said, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. So the angel's been trying to get to Daniel with the answer that God released from the throne room. He's been trying to get to Daniel for 21 days. The prince of the Persian kingdom is a spiritual entity, a demonic force given authority over the kingdom of Persia. And God's answer via this angel is coming to Daniel who's inside that kingdom. And as the angel is trying to get there, that spiritual authority is holding him off in battle. And he cannot get there. And so the angel said that God releases Michael the archangel to come. And Michael the archangel is able to then defeat or, or, or to allow uh, such defeat such that this angel is able to get to Daniel and he, and he is able to get there. And I want you to understand that Satan has been trying to prevent the course of God's plan throughout the history of humanity. Think about the Garden of Eden. We see the serpent. The serpent is also called Satan that he speaks to Adam and Eve. Did God really say that you shouldn't eat this? Did he really say that you would die? You're not going to die if you eat this. Satan was trying to prevent God's plan from the very beginning. Look at the people of Israel. Throughout history, how many times do we see where these people, God's people, like no one else in all of history, were, were that people tried to destroy them. Sherry, those are your people, aren't they? Those are your people. 
They were try Esther, the, when Esther came on the scene, there was a, a goal, there was a, a, a sinister plan to kill all of the Jews. And God brought Esther for such a time as this. How about the Holocaust? When we see that millions and millions of Jews were not just murdered, they were exterminated. Satan has always been trying to prevent the plan of God in our world today. We look at the Messiah. Satan's been trying to thwart the very plan of salvation. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. You will crush her head and you will strike his heel. Talking about the crucifixion. Talking about the fact that the Messiah would defeat Satan. That there is, there is this battle that is raging. Look at Jesus himself. That Herod tried to kill all of the baby boys two years old and under that would have been from his region. Look at Jesus being tempted in the wilderness after fasting 40 days. Satan takes him to the highest point and he says, look out over the kingdoms of the world. And he says to Jesus, if you'll just bow down, I'll give it all to you. That is Satan's attempt to prevent the plan of God. Imagine being Jesus. You've been, you've been fasting for 40 days. You know that the cross is ahead of you, and all of a sudden you have a, 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 the, an opportunity to potentially short-circuit this process and, and get it over right now. You say, well, how, how could that be possible? Well, Satan was the, is the prince of the power of the air. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. So the, the kingdoms that, that he showed him were not Jesus' kingdoms. They were kingdoms of this world. But Jesus understood that Satan was trying to prevent the plan of God. Think about when Jesus told his followers, he said, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. They're going to arrest me. They're going to they're gonna convict me. They are going to... to uh, execute me. And Peter said, no way, Jesus. This is not going to happen. You know, if, if that were you and I that were Jesus and one of our friends said, no way, we're going to stand up for you, that'd kind of make you feel good. But look at how Jesus replied in Matthew 16, verse 23. He said, get behind me. What does he say? Satan. Satan. He's talking to Peter. Peter's not Satan, we know that. Get behind me, Satan, because you see, Peter is being influenced by Satan's plan to prevent the gospel. Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. How about the church? Satan is trying to prevent the move of God in the church. He is trying to prevent God's plan for the church. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, he said, I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The gates of hell battle against the church. Satan is still trying to prevent God's plan on this earth. And sometimes when we pray, the enemy is literally fighting against that answer. 
you might say to yourself, well, if Satan is trying to thwart God's plan, then what good can come from my waiting? Well, the first thing is that we get direction when we wait. I'm, I'm one of those people that's unafraid to jump. You know what I mean? I've, I've never bungee jumped, but I feel like if I, if I did, I wouldn't stand there for a long time. Have you seen videos of people? And one time, I'll never forget, I was down at Black Rocks one day, and, um, and, and there's a girl, she must have been 12 or 14 years old. She wanted to jump off so bad, and she was literally frozen with fear. She could neither jump nor move away. She was frozen. I literally, I reached out and grabbed her by the arm, and I, I helped her walk back a few steps. And it's really treacherous, but she was just frozen with the idea of, of the, the fear of this. I, I'm one of those people that to, if I'm going to get up there and stand, I'm going. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump. That's, that's one of those people. But when we wait, direction comes. Sanity comes. Kevin, that's 18 feet down to the water. Do you know how cold that water is? You died once before. <laughs> you could die. That heart could stop again. Maybe you shouldn't do this. You're getting kind of old. All those things. If you wait long enough, all those words of wisdom bubble up to the surface. When we wait on God, we get direction. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. When we wait on God, when we depend on his understanding, he makes our path straight. In other words, we go in the right direction. Another thing that happens, we've been talking about this all month, but we get strength when we wait. Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait on the Lord or those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. When we wait on God, we are strengthened. Because we're not using our energy. We're using God's. We're just waiting. We're waiting on you, Lord. And then the fact that we ultimately get to God's will. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. You need to persevere. What is persevering? It's waiting with purpose. When you, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised even in delays, God has a purpose. God has not forgotten you. So I come to my third point. What about in the meantime? What should we do while we wait? Well, let's look at Daniel again. Daniel chapter 10, verse 2. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. Basically, Daniel stopped taking care of himself. He didn't eat. Sounds like he didn't wash his hair. Sounds like he didn't take a bath. He didn't drink anything. He did nothing for three weeks. He fasted and he prayed. We know that Daniel was a man of prayer. He prayed three times every day. We know that he even reached out to his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and said, hey, guys, I'm praying for wisdom. Will you help me? Will you join me? Will you pray with me? But he doesn't simply sit idle and do nothing. 
He's going to step up his spiritual disciplines. He's going to actively wait for God's answer. So what can we do when we wait for God? Here's the first thing. First of all, you can be still. You say, oh, that's just another way of saying waiting. Not really. God literally gives us instruction. I know that it's hard to wait, and we might want to pace nervously back and forth, but Exodus 14, verse 14, it says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. God is speaking this to the Hebrew people, telling them, you just wait here. I'm going to go fight the enemy. Sometimes we need to just be still and let God defeat the enemy. That was worth it right there. That was worth coming today. Psalm 46 and verse 10, he says, be still and know that I am God. That's hard. That is hard to, to be still and let God do his thing. That is hard. Next, what we need to do and what we can do is stand on God's word. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. David said, Your word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. If we are going to successfully wait, we must stand on God's word and we must know it in order to stand on it. I'm not talking about taking a Bible and setting it on the floor and standing on it. I'm talking about knowing it. I'm talking about about believing it. I'm talking about mining the promises out of it and believing them. Sometimes God speaks to us in our waiting. A number of years ago, I was waiting on the Lord for a particular situation and I was in my daily devotions and I read this verse and I read it again and I said, wait a second. That is my answer to my waiting. I mean, it was as clear as, as a bell. I mean, and this was a significant waiting. And it's like, you must do, I mean, it was, a, it was an absolute. But when we wait on God, when we stand on his word, when we know his word, when we believe it, and then what we do is that we keep that in our hearts and we, we memorize it and we keep saying it back to God and to ourselves because we need to be reminded of it every day and we, we recite that promise that God has given us over and over and over again and it gives us a, an ability to wait and an ability to be patient and allow God to do what he's going to do. We stand on his word. But if we don't know it, how can we, how can we use it? How can we stand on it if we don't know, know it at all? Another thing we need to do is continue to pray. 1 Thessalonians <clears throat> chapter 5, Paul says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How do we pray continually? Let me, let me say it like this. I want you to pretend for a moment that you have a 16-year-old in your home, and some of us have and some of us haven't. And that 16-year-old just got their permit and you're taking them out on their first drive. And you are in the, drive, or the passenger seat. And every, 
every, your foot is hitting the floorboard like you, you're actually breaking. Do you know what I'm talking about? And you're, you're reaching to the side and you're just whispering the name Jesus. I mean, sincerely, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And, and then you see a stoplight coming. You're like, oh no, this is, this is it. We're, you know, and then they have to practice parallel parking. And, and you're calling your agent you know, on speed dial to make sure that you're covered. It's, it's, you, you would be in a, a place where you are so geeked up that you're just, you are, I mean, you are seriously asking God for help because you want to live and you want this child to make it through this experience. Paul says, pray all the time. Pray all the time. Pray without ceasing. Pray continually. And then we need to just increase our spiritual disciplines. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus heals a boy with, uh, that was demon-possessed, and the disciples said, Jesus, how did you do this? And Jesus said, sometimes these things come out only by prayer and fasting. Jesus is talking about a spiritual discipline, and Jesus was a man of spiritual disciplines. He, 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 part, he practiced getting alone and spending time with God, and he understood the value, the spiritual value of fasting and praying. 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, rather, beginning at verse 5, he talks about adding to our faith goodness knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection. We need to add these things to our lives. We need to add spiritual disciplines to our lives while we are waiting. Daniel fasted and prayed for 21 days. God answered him. And it's not a simple yes or no answer. Daniel was not asking God yes or no. He's asking him to give him some specifics on when they will be set free. And Daniel upped his game in his spiritual disciplines. I want you to know that God answers prayer immediately. His answers are yes. Don't we love yes? When God answers yes, we get excited about yeses. We're like, okay. Let's go. Let's move. Let's go. We're not so excited about no's. This morning as I was praying before the service, I just, that idea of God's answer being no, I, I, I just, I'm, next week I'm going to touch on that. I just feel like the Lord laid some things on my heart this morning for next week about no. We don't like to hear no. What happens when you're raising kids and you say yes all the time? <laughs> Spoiled kids. <laughs> That's for grandkids. We all know that, right? We, we know that if we tell them yes every time, you know, when they ask, then, then it, we're going to be out of control. I mean, they'll never go to bed. They'll never sleep. They'll be sugared up all the time. We, we know that. So for the good of our kids, we say no, but we can't stand it when God says no to us. We love it when he says yes. We hate it when he says no. But sometimes he says wait. But wait doesn't mean do nothing. We can wait in a way that we will grow in our faith. We know that Satan wants to thwart the plan of God. But in the meantime, as we wait, we can grow in him. And we can see God do great things in our lives. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I just thank you for 
your word that encourages us in our waiting. And Father, some of my brothers and sisters in this room are waiting on you. And they've been in a season where they'd love to hear yes. Maybe they'd even really be satisfied with a no, but they just want to hear. And yet it seems like there's not an answer and they're in this, this, this period of waiting. Father, I pray that you will help them to be still and to know that you are God. That we will be still and, and let you fight for us the way you have said you would. Father, that we would grow as we wait, as our faith is tested, that we will not give up and, and not, not doubt, but simply to continue to wait and to persevere in the midst of that trial and grow in our maturity and our completeness so that we lack nothing. Father, I thank you that even though we are waiting that you are still moving. Even when Satan is trying to, to bring about a delay in God's plan, nothing can stop your plan from happening in our lives. As we close, I just want to, to pray for you. If, if you are waiting on God for something, I know we've been talking about it for three weeks, but if you're waiting on God for something and, and, and you say, you know what, Kevin, pray for me. I'm, I'm just, I'm waiting on the Lord for something. I wanna just pray for you before I leave. If that's, if that's you, just slip your hand up so that I can pray for you. Yes. Yep. Yeah, a bunch of people. Father, you see these hands of those who are waiting, God, for you. And they might be struggling, but Lord, I pray that they would find the positive in waiting, that they would grow in you, that they would add to their faith all of these things that you would have, that they would, they would persevere, that they would mature, that they would come to completeness so that they're not lacking anything, and ultimately you will answer, and you are answering. Father, help us as we wait. Jesus' name.